Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year from Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Episode number 23, the Shea Hello Podcast. Welcome, everybody. My name is Casey Lynn. I'm joined by my co-host, former Major League pitcher Bill Pulsifer, as we are now entering number 23 of our journey to one of the best podcasts Mets baseball and MLB has to offer. I want to thank everybody who's watching us on Shea Hello Media on YouTube. If you are, all you got to do, Click that subscribe button. Just hit that little bad boy. And if you're listening to us on whatever platform you get on audio, uh, please drop us a like, a comment, follow us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much to Stephen White behind the the, uh, the glass, so to speak, our producer. And, uh, of course, as always, uh, this episode is brought to you by Roots-Recordings.com. Bill, how are you doing, sir, since the last time we spoke? All good. All good around here. All right. Well, How about the, how's Lucy doing? Lucy's good. Lucy's great. She's a handful, you know. As uh, as Pete told me, he uh, he called her a an adult puppy. So I didn't know what to make of that. But what I've now I've had her for almost a month. It makes she, sense. She she's like a trained, energetic ball of love. Awesome. That's <laughs> you know. Beautiful. So Lucy's doing great. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Glad to hear that. And uh, how's the uh, the cold weather in the, the Northeast treating you these days? It's not as bad. Not as bad. We got through that little cold snap. Um, we had a little bit of snow, but uh, it's all gone now, and um, we're hanging in there in the in the in the low to the low to mid thirties. But it's cooling off at night, but not like it was. It's not t- not terrible. Yeah, you know what? For me, I lived obviously in New York my whole life up until you know not too long ago. Thirties in January, I'll take it all day. You know, absolutely. So plus. As you know, being in baseball your entire life, and me being a fan or being in baseball too, we're 13, 14, whatever it is, two weeks out of spring training, which is, to me, let me know if you agree, the unofficial start of spring or the dead of winter, because now baseball's back. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah it's definitely like uh, the beginning, you know, the... the uh... Yeah, the sprout, the, the 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 flowering, the beginning of spring. We know it's not for another month, but you know when spring training starts to come around, we're, we're getting close. Yeah, when I was growing up, you know, living on Long Island, and when back in the day, no social media, but the highlights, the last five minutes of the news channel where they'd show the guys. Probably saw you at one point. Green grass, hot in Fort St. Lucie, and we're in our thirty degree weather in New York, and it just made our soul a little bit right. warmer. You know. Yeah, um, it's it's so, coming. Spring is coming, and the boys are almost back in town. Exactly. Uh, with this being episode twenty three, I just want to get your. Uh, let's see if you're good. Any twenty threes that come to your mind with no. Mets that have worn worn them? You're killing me, Bernard Gilkey. Done. That's all I needed. That's all. Yeah, yeah. That's, I hey, I didn't set you up Bernard for you there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> I know I had one because I played with him, and he was a great guy. And yeah. Gilkey out of I wrote, I'm gonna just read you some notable ones, but for me I love Gilkey, so I knew you were gonna get him. So I didn't set, I didn't I didn't set you up for failure. No, okay. I knew I knew I, I knew who I knew who number twenty three was. Money. 
Oh yeah, great walk out, uh, walk up song. Um, a couple twenty threes, and that's history. This again, just being episode twenty three for us on the Shalo podcast. Um, Tim Bogart, if you remember him. Oh, Bogey, of course. Yeah, I put him in there because I figured it was around the same yeah, time yeah, you yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, of course, Gilkey, uh, twenty three. I actually had his jersey, authentic. You know, like they stitched it and everything. I was such a nice. huge fan of his. Nice. Um, Pat Mahomes, senior. There we go. Number 23, two years with the Mets, 99 and 2000. Future father of a Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. At I some mean, point. Pat Mahomes, or Patrick Mahomes, if you will. Right. So, Pat, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is the father. Is or Wait, I'm getting Is it the quarterback for the Chiefs? He's Patrick Mahomes. And then you have Pat Mahomes, the, the former ball player. That's it. So, yeah, he's a, a future Hall of Famer already. No know, doubt about it. For the, for the Chiefs already. No doubt so, about it. So uh, other names real quick. Julio Franco, uh, who played till he was like 90. Uh, Mike Baxter, who saved the no-hitter for Johan, if you remember him crashing yeah. into the wall in left Absolutely. field. Michael Kadire, a key member of the 2015 World Series. Very good Mets. hitter. Very good hitter that year. Uh, yeah, and, you know, came from the Rockies. Right? I think he won a batting title. I believe he uh, did. Yeah. And a couple uh, – David Peterson and Javier Baez. So they're your 23s in Mets history to wear that number. Ooh, Baez could be a good answer to one of those questions later on, maybe. Yeah. yeah Baez, <laughs> anyway. Baez was here for two months. So, yeah, he's, you know, one of those guys that just wasn't here for that long. So you might be up to something with that. I lost you there for a second. That's okay. I think we got you back. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we're all good. Uh, so I wanted to go in before we get into our Mets talk uh, on uh, this episode, because uh, we do have a, a lot to talk about, you know, with uh, some moves and non-moves, if you will. But we have a, an announcement to make. Uh, I put it out there on social media. If you're following us on Shay underscore hello on Twitter, X, or uh, Shay Hello Media on Instagram, uh we have a special guest coming on our episode, our episode 24 next week. It is, do you want to announce it, Bill, since you made this happen? Uh, well, it's none other than the great, the legend, uh, one Mr. Doc Gooden will be uh, joining us next week. Uh, lucky enough to, to get him to, to come on board. And I am super excited and I hope everybody is super excited to, uh, to get to spend a little bit of time with my, my childhood, uh, hero my childhood idol this is going to be great yeah uh bill made this happen they they became good friends and you know amazing that bill looked up to him as a pitcher and as a person and you know bill was telling me earlier he could just call him and doc will pick up you know it's pretty cool <laughs> um and pretty cool for me because we get our first guest and we were waiting for the right guest and i don't think you can get bigger than Doc Gooden on a Mets podcast, so to speak. Uh, he's the top pitcher. He's getting his, his name retired uh, or uh, re- number retired going to the Raptors on Sunday, August 14th, I believe, coming right up. Uh, so that's the announcement. It is huge. April, it April, is, right? Or yeah, did I, what, did I, what did I just said say? August. I'm sorry. It is April, April 14th. Yeah. Uh, and then Strawberry is going September. He's going uh, later, yeah. Doc, Doc I, beg, I beg your pardon, is April 14th is a Sunday. And, and I think it's good that they're doing uh, – they have their own day for it as well. I like that. So they can both be celebrated for, for who they the are. greatness and for the everything they gave for the organization and for the memories. I think it's I think it's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, so that's our that's our announcement. It's our first guest. Uh, we wanted to wait for the, the right one. Can't get better. Than Doc. So we are excited. Please, again, if you're watching on YouTube or even if you're not, check out, go to YouTube, type in Shalo Media, hit that subscribe button, turn our notifications on. We are recording early next week, February 6th, around there. And if your notices are on, you will, we, YouTube will tell you when we have that episode ready to go for you uh, with nobody else and other than the great Doc Gooden, the best curveball. I've ever seen in my life. So the legend. super, super exciting. It is and exciting. So that's next week. As for this week, we got a lot to go through, Mr. Pulsifer. Let's start uh, when we were recording last uh, week, the Hall of Fame uh, voting and or 
uh, announcement for this year came out. So we couldn't talk about it. We, we didn't know who was going to be enshrined for this year. Now we do. Uh, we know the three that made the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, it was Adrian Beltre, first ballot, Joe Maurer, first ballot, Todd Helton, uh, sixth year on the ballot. Yep. Um, we'll get into what I want to talk about first, and that's Billy Wagner. But aside from Billy first, what do you think about those three players that are now Hall of Famers? Um, I think Beltray was a no-brainer for sure. I think it's well-deserved for Todd Hilton, regardless of, you want to say Coors Field, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. They, that guy was one of the premier yeah. hitters um, of our generation, my my generation, uh, era, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. And Maurer, I'm a little surprised first ballot. little surprised first ballot. Me too. Um, excuse me? Me too. Yeah, I'm a little surprised first yeah. ballot. Not going to begrudge anybody that gets voted into the Hall of Fame. I don't like to begrudge any guy that played. Obviously, a tremendous baseball player. You put his numbers up against some other guys, and it makes you wonder if a guy like, uh, let's say, Keith Hernandez or a guy like Don Mattingly. I think they're right up in there as well. Obviously, he was a catcher for a long time. Not going to say he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but a little surprising first ballot. Okay. Yeah, I I, I agree on everything you actually just said. Uh, Maurer, for me was on the borderline of if I had a vote, if I was going to cast it this year, do I think he's a Hall of Famer? Yes. But you know what? It doesn't matter because year one or year 10, it, no one remembers. So well, you know what the crazy, do you think about this when, and this is the way I kind of always use my barometer for first year, first ballot guys is Joe DiMaggio had to wait till his third year on the ballot before he was voted in. Right. So, when you see guys being first ballot guys, and I like to try to hold them up to that standard, uh, I don't remember any songs about Joe Maurer, but I do remember Joe, uh-huh. Joe DiMaggio. So, yeah. like I said, I'm not going to begrudge the guy being a Hall of Famer. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to the other two guys. Um, just a little absolutely. surprise, first ballot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Congratulations to all three. They joined Jim Leland, who was put on by oh. the Veterans Committee. So it will be four that That's are enshrined. Well yeah. deserved for well deserved for Mr. Leland as well. Absolutely, he was so old school. Couple, uh, well, definitely one World Series, you know, with the Marlins, yep. and uh, very deserving. So, yep. um, which leads us to who did not get in this year? Gary Gary Sheffield. We talked about him last year of eligibility, tenth year. He uh, dropped actually. He you need seventy five percent. I don't. I forget what he had. He he didn't make it, so he's done. And what I want to talk to you about, even though Gary Sheffield was a Met and he hit his 500th home run as a Met and had a great career. He's a Hall of Famer stats-wise. Tremendous. Absolutely. You know, we all know why maybe he didn't make it. We don't have to go there. Right. Billy Wagner. Now, we have discussed Billy Wagner. And actually, all national media was discussing Billy Wagner after the announcement. He missed out his on his ninth year. You get 10 years, everybody, by five votes five now off the top of my head i think there's a total of like 370 or something around there total votes and you need 200 whatever to make it 75 percent. he missed out by five and a lot of people who are so-called experts or analysts they're all like what in the world like why are we here with billy wagner not in the hall of fame i completely agree He's going to get in next year because if you look at the ballot, it's not a huge, big, like everyone's going to get a check, you know, and a vote. So he'll get in because he only missed by five. He's been trending every year and he's all a freaking famer. Um, well, he's, so, he's going to be the Helton. He'll be the Helton of next year. You know, he'll get in. He's going to get in. Yeah. It's a shame that it's taken this long. And I tell you the information that you, you sent to me. Yeah. That's, when you throw those names in there, the Koufax and the Ryans, and then the other guys that the the closers, the Jansons, these are guys that are going to be Hall of Famers, or they're already are Hall of Famers. And you see right. that. What are we waiting for with Billy Wagner? Because those are some heavy names that are, are. And you should you should go over those stats a little bit because it's a little uh, it's a little <laughs> mind blowing that we've gotten to this to this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I printed them out. I, I basically have it mesmerized uh, memorized because. It, it is mesmerizing. It is memor. <laughs> yes, that too. But what I can just tell you is that Billy Wagner, the reason that a lot of people are not voting for him, and again, last year, he'll get in. 
right? But it's because of his innings. He's only thrown 900 total innings. Bullshit. I don't care because you know what? In his 900 innings, what I just held up to the camera, everybody, if you're watching or if you're listening, I just held up uh, one of the five sheets that I printed it out, but the fonts, whatever, so big. But he has the lowest in Major League Baseball history at the 900 uh, inning level of opponents batting average against. It's it's. I wrote it down. 187. That's what hitters hit against him in his entire career. And I could go on. You mentioned uh, Rivera and Jansen and Koufax and Grom. They're all on this list, and you compare all the numbers that you want, and Billy's just better. And I don't understand why if Lee Smith can get in, Trevor Hoffman can get in. Obviously, Mariano Rivera is deserving to get in. But Wagner is a Hall of Famer. Again, we don't care in 20 years whether you're 1 or 10. But his numbers have shown, oh, my goodness. He, I mean, I mean I, it's, it's mind-boggling, Bill. He's statistically one of the hardest. Addy, I think Addy Joss was one of the other names, too, who was a yeah. – you know, an old guy and one of the hardest guys to hit. He is statistically, if you look at those numbers, uh, one of the, if not the hardest guy to get a hit off of in the history of Major League Baseball. And I, yeah. I think I told this story before, but if not, I'll just quickly. Oh, yeah. I remember the first time ever sitting in the dugout in the Astrodome and watching him throw in his early career. And he was throwing back in 98, a 98 and a 99 mile an hour fastball with a disappearing, whatever breaking ball you want to call it, slider, curve, it didn't matter. It broke three and a half feet. And all I could think of is I don't even know how guys hit a foul ball off of him, let alone get a hit or, you know, I, because I, he was just incredible, just incredible. And uh, it's a shame that he's got to wait another year, but I do believe, in, you know, just like you, that um, he'll be, he's going to get in there. Yeah, he'll, he'll he's going. Uh, you said the Todd Helton route. Uh, well, it's you're right, but Helton didn't have to wait 10. It's the Larry Walker route. Oh, Sorry, yeah. off slow. Walker gained every year, got in in his 10th year. He's now a Hall of Famer. Yep. And we don't care, obviously, even though I remember whether it was year 10 or 1. He's a Hall of Famer. So, you know what? Somebody, I, I, somebody made a good point about Helton actually the other day to me. And they said, uh, it was a former player. And they said it didn't matter whether they were playing in Colorado. And I guess Larry Walker would be kind of considered in this as well because he did so much in, 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 in uh, Colorado. Yeah. It didn't matter whether you were playing against Helton in Colorado or in, let's say, Chase Stadium. He was a tough guy to, you know, he was one of the guys in their lineup that you're going to want to have to watch out for. It didn't matter yeah. where you were playing. Of course. And a lot of people say, you know, yeah. it's the bias that he played his whole career at Coors Field and he tore it up hitting 360 and uh, 340. But he also played very well on the road. His stats obviously weren't as good, but he was a very, he was a great player on his, on the road. And here's my debate. Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong. So I'm, I'm vouching for him. And if people don't like it, which I've seen, I could say this. Well, what do you want the guy to do? He played for the Rockies. It was his job. It happens just to be in Coors Field where they're 5,600 feet or whatever it is above elevation or sea level, excuse me, at elevation. Like he did what he had to do for his job where they put him. I he think you, you, you tip your hat to a guy that played for one organization his whole career as well. You know, like Mauer. He said for that. Mauer did that too. Yep. Absolutely. Tip your cap. Yeah. So moving on, Billy Wagner, Hall of Famer, snubbed again. Uh, let's go into some current Mets news. Since we last talked, uh, Mets um, made a move. And we asked the Mets last week if they wanted to compete DH and two quality relievers. Now, we also really accept the fact that they're not going to get a DH. It's going to be Viento, Stewart, Marte. So put that aside. We talked about that. I still stand by that. Um, I think you do too. That I is do. Viento. Okay. Yeah, I think it's kind of sad it looks like. All right, yeah, and Unless Justin Turner really doing that pressure thing of waiting guys out, you know, and then well, sign you in spring training, you know. One one's off off the board. Justin Turner has now signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, so uh, I guess uh, two are left of the three, and it's it's uh, JD uh, JD Martinez. And Martinez, yep. Yeah, and and Turner got like one year, I think thirteen million, which was actually more than he got last year with the Red Sox. One well, year, ten year. million. We had a good yeah. year. So did J.D. Martinez with the Dodgers. So yep. 
Uh, just one oh, it's more. It's nice when you can hit in a good lineup, right? You got Raphael oh. Devers hitting before you or after you, or you yeah. got you know pick a guy out in L.A. <laughs> you got you got a lot to choose from in that lineup. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, no, it, I stand by it, and so do you. Vientos is still your DH. They're going to give him his time to shine. You know, give him a shot. Um, we got to find out, right? Exactly. So we still agree with that. But the Mets did get one of two, and I'm still asking for one. They re-signed Adam Adovino, who Met fans are very familiar with, played uh, 2022. Last year was the second year in 23, and he opted out of his player option for this year. And here we are. He signed for less money. Um, did he? Did he? You know, screw himself? Not really. Because he opted out of six point seven five, and it had deferred money in it, and then he re-signed with the Mets oh, a couple days ago for four and a half, and in real time money, it's or present day money as they call it, you know, whatever. But I think he screwed himself. The market didn't a little bit it seems yeah it seem a little bit it, yeah I mean it's a million and whatever, and he's got a lot of money as it is. But I think he'll be job, all right. I think so. <laughs> Plus, I think David Stearns in the back of his mind knew that the whole time he had him by the balls because yeah. he's been on SNY, MLB Network, more so SNY in the city doing guest panel like analysis, which was weird as a current free agent. Yeah. And he's got his kids in New York. He's a New Yorker. He lives in yep. New York. Like Billy, uh, David Stearns knew that he didn't want to leave. So he got him on a lesser contract. Now... I tweeted this out for my main account. I want your thoughts too, and then I'll shut the hell up. I like the move only because we know what he's capable of. The 2022 Adam Adevito, who was good. And that had Rob, um, not Robertson. That had Diaz, you know, and and a, a good bullpen. Hence the 101 wins. Last year, it, it wasn't a good bullpen. And he was put into a lot of, uh, you know, whatever situations that he crumbled and he lost his closure job after they traded Robertson. He's a year older. He's lost mileage on his fastball. Um, he's an automatic. If he gets, if a player gets on a batter gets on base, it's a double because he cannot hold a runner on to save his life. You right now, you're really not 50, allowed to hold runners on anymore. So that doesn't right. help. You could steal a base off of him right now. Oh my God. It, it, I'm not even kidding. So, <laughs> You know, he comes in, he walks the leadoff hitter. It's a double. It's a runner on second, nobody out. It just is. It's not going to get any easier. He's not going to fine-tune him, his, you know, whatever, especially with disengagements. I'm okay with this move if he can, if, another if, return to the 22 form. Diaz is back, but here's the catch. If they get one more quality reliever, because Ottawa alone doesn't make this pen good. It makes it average at best. You get a Wandy Peralta or a Ryan Stanek, which I think they're going to be out of, but a Peralta's there for the take-in. Now you have a good bullpen. You got to get it to Diaz. I want your thoughts on the re-signing of Mr. Anavino. That's my I think take. It, I think you're, you're, you're right on it. You know, obviously he's a known commodity. Um, he can pitch in different leverage situations this year than he did uh, last year. Uh, it, you know, we've talked about this before. Having Diaz makes everything the game shorter, and, and everybody can move down or up or whatever you want to look at it. Uh, don't mind the signing; he's been a good pitcher. Everybody goes through a decline at some point in time. Uh, it's a one-year deal. You know, some of these other guys we're talking about with the DH, the same thing. You know, older guys. You're looking for the one-year deal. You're looking for a lightning in a bottle a little bit. He's proven that he can pitch. He's proven that he can pitch in New York. We know the last year wasn't his best year, but last year wasn't the best year for a lot of guys. And it got off to a bad start with injuries before the season even started. So hopefully they can go into the season this year with a little better mindset, positivity without injuries and that. And he can and he can perform and still has something left. I believe he still has something left in the tank. And maybe if he's not pitching in such high leverage situations, you know, he's not going to uh, feel that extra pressure of trying to get those last three outs, which are – a lot of the times the, th the hardest outs to get uh, in the game. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. And also, like you said, it's, it's, we have Diaz coming back. And so knowing that in the back of your mind, just psychologically helps these guys. They didn't have that last year. Absolutely. Uh, and that's a big thing, uh, which is a perfect segue into what I believe, and I could be wrong, the only quality lefty reliever left on the market. There are 
Still 130 somehow free agents available with two weeks to go. We talked about it. It's crazy. But Wadley Peralta, the Yankee the last three years, left-handed. We talked about him last night off the air. Uh, he, he, he owns left-handed hitters. I, I told you, I sent you the stats. Yep. Let me read it for our, our listeners. His ERA the last three years, lefty again, Yankees. Last three years, 283, 272, 295. Respectable. Absolutely. What is even more respectable and actually incredible is that opponents are only hitting lefties, I should say, lefties as opponents, 138 a year ago, 155 uh, two years ago, with a combined OPS, both under 500. That he is basically, if you're a left-handed batter, unhittable. The stats show it. And it's a big sample size. I do think the Mets, even though they have this quote-unquote tight budget, and we won't get into it um, because it will really just boil my blood, but (laughs) I think they can afford – I can't believe I'm saying afford with Steve Cohen as the owner, but I think they could get a Wandy Peralta and tell me if I'm wrong, Bill. You can disagree. I think that makes the bullpen. It's finalized and above average. Well, I definitely think that he's uh, 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 would be a great addition, you know. But it it just seems like everything everything that we've kind of felt so far this off season hasn't kind of come to fruition. But I think he would be a great signing. Uh, obviously, being in New York, I get a chance to watch Yankees and Mets games, and yeah. he was kind of not just their best lefty. He was anytime there was a tie game and they were going to that tenth inning with a runner on second base with a ghost yeah. runner. He was out there every single time. And that tells you something about what uh, Aaron Boone and the Yankees thought about him, that they were putting him in these pressure situations because they believed in the guy, whether it be left-handed or right-handed. I think it would be a great signing. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that that would, you know, be something that they would try to do. And I do agree that it would solidify the bullpen even more. And you would have then two two quality lefties down there. Um, And I, I, he's done it in New York. He knows what it's yeah. like to play in New York. And uh, I think it would be a good signing for sure. Yeah. And I do think he falls in that price range where they could get him. We're, we're not going to go into why we're in a price range talk with the richest owner in sports who still has the highest payroll in baseball. But I think it's possible. And I hope it comes to fruition because the Mets more so, I think, in my opinion, tell, I want to get yours as well. I think a quality one more Peralta is more – effective for this team and efficient or whatever word you want to use greater good than a DH a, a quality pen lefty or righty for Edwin Diaz is more important than let's say them getting uh, a Jorge Soler. That's just right. me. Well, I, I value, this, bo- we, I value the bullpen. Yeah. If we look back to last year, one of the biggest weaknesses, if not the biggest weakness in the team last year was the bullpen. So obviously the more quality arms and the more quality, uh, yeah, established guys that you can get down there the better and with Ottavino he is an established quality guy hopefully for a little bit of a bounce back and Wandy Peralta obviously quality guy the numbers don't lie and uh yeah I agree with you as one of the weaker spots last year being being the bullpen yeah you know and they're hoping for bounce back years of course from a Drew Smith who was a home run uh, you know happy righty and had a horrible year he had a couple you know of good I, years you know what I see from Drew Smith personally as a pitcher I see a guy overthrowing the guy that's trying to throw 97 and 98 miles an hour that doesn't throw it accurately. Right. He doesn't, he need. I think if I was a pitching coach or if I would say, let's try to pitch a little bit more and maybe we pitch in the 92 to 93, 94 mile an hour range and pitch because his ball does have movement. What I see with him is him overthrowing and throwing, you know, high fastballs at 95, 96, because he can't get it to 98. And those are basically, you know, bad, bad home run balls nowadays, you know? 95 over the middle is not good. Yeah, if it's straight, it doesn't matter. So uh, we know he's got a good arm, but, you know, you're a former pitcher. You still give out lessons. You know what you're talking about. I say pitch more. Pitch, pitch, pitch. Don't throw. Pitch. Exactly. Uh, So hopefully he has a bounce back here in the Mets. David Stearns, I think his MO is just guys that he's signed. It's right there for the taking. He's hoping for bounce back years. Luis Severino, uh, Adrian Hauser. Uh, Drew Smith, who they tendered, yeah, I, all that. Like they're just—it's a lot of ifs. So we'll we'll see if this all comes to fruition because it's a lot to ask. Yep. Um, 
I did write to you yesterday that we were going to talk about this investment that Steve Cohen has with uh, it's a PGA tour. It's a $3 billion investment with the Bucks owner, Milwaukee Bucks, the Atlanta Falcons owner, uh, Fenway sports, scratch it, Bill. Um, because my point on it was if you have the money to do all this, what's five more million dollars to sign a, a reliever. I'll leave it at that. You know, it boils my blood if we're going to really all, get all into I, it. All I have to say to that is 2025. So it's, yeah. I think it's set in stone 2025. We're going to go out and spend some more money. Money will be off the books and Fine. there's going to be a nice free agent uh, crop out there. So I, I think that yeah. has something to do with it. That's fine. And so with we're not going to go into that as a plan. So that will take up a big chunk of what we we're going to talk about. So already we're just going to jump into the mailbag and uh, right. some quick pitches. And uh, we got some good questions this week. So um, let's uh, first tell our first time listeners this. We do this every week. Shay underscore hello on Twitter and also Shay hello pod on uh, Twitter. We send out if you want to ask a question to Bill or I. Uh, send it in. We usually send it out over the weekend. Write your question, ask who you want it to be answered by, and we'll read it right now on air, just like we're about to do. Uh, so if you want to do that, you're more than welcome. Bill, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's go with your boy first. Uh, NYMGI. Yeah, he asked both of us, for Bill and Casey, if David Stearns wanted the deal, Pete Alonso at the deadline, if the Mets were out of it, do you – Either of you believe Cohen, Steve Cohen, would sign off on it? It's a good question, and I hate the question, uh, <laughs> you know. But if I read the question again, do I believe Cohen would sign off on it? So look at it that way. Right. It's a good. It's a good question. Do you want to? You want to take this one first for me? I want to hear what you have to say first. I thought so. Oh man, man, oh man. Yeah. You want me to go? Um, no, 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 no. All right. um, there's a lot of ifs in the question. So I'm going to read it, not again, but if Stearns wanted to deal Alonzo, if the Mets were out of it at the deadline, there's two ifs there. Do you believe Steve Cohen would sign off on it? First of all, those two ifs have to happen. That means the Mets are out of it. And now David Stearns do does want to trade Pete Alonzo before you know he, he's gonna go to free agency kind of like otani last year and the angels kept him and didn't get anything for him now now the question do you both of us believe steve cohen would sign off on it no i personally and i don't know but i'm knowing what i know about steve and he's thrown a wrench into what we think about steve with this whole you know 2024 reset but i think he knows that Pete Alonso is the fan favorite. He is the star of the team and trading him at the deadline after if they're trading and sellers at the deadline, they're out of it would be a terrible look. Yeah. And if you trade them, what are you getting back at for two months? Right. And for two months of a rental, it's not going to be much and it would have to be a lot, but David Stearns loves prospects. David Stearns also, I don't know if you know this, ha doesn't value, for whatever reason, first baseman highly. In his time in Milwaukee, he had a different first baseman every single year. So take that for what it's worth. To answer his question, NYGM, NYMGI, no, I don't, Steve, knowing his history-loving Mets honoring, knowing how important Steve is to the fan base, and not getting what he's worth, they wouldn't trade him, even if the Mets were out of it. That's what I think. Bill? I, I would definitely like to believe the same. I would think the only way, it's two different things, two different things. The only way that he would sign off on it, Mr. Cohen, would be if the package in return, which I don't believe it would be, because prospects is, man, I was a prospect. You know, a lot of people are prospects. If the return was a known commodity of equal or equal value or slightly less value with, with prospects, quite possibly. The only other way I would think it would possibly happen was if we sat down with, uh, with Pete uh -huh. and we agreed, listen, this is what we're going to do. We were, we're going to throw you the checkbook, whatever, to, to re-sign you in the offseason. We're going to give you some more ammunition for when you come back. 
and we're going to have a gentleman's agreement that you're going to re-sign back as a Met. And I think that would be the only way that uh, they would uh, agree to that. I mean, I'm hoping Stearns doesn't come in here trying to get rid of the face of the of the, uh, of the franchise. You know, people right. can say Lindor, this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't matter. Pete is a Met. Lindor became a Met, and there's a difference. Um, I would like to, I mean, you and me have talked about this at length. We'd like to see that he's already signed, and it's a done deal. But those are the two situations that I think it would happen. If it was just a blow-me-away deal, then maybe you have to think about it. But we're thinking about 2025 being our, okay, we're going back for it, really going back for it again. I'd like to say that Pete's going to be part of that going back for it. Or if we had an agreement, hey, listen, we're going to get you some more players when you come back here. We're going to sign you this offseason. But that happening, why haven't they signed him yet? So the chances of that happening are probably a little, uh, a little slim. I hear what you're saying. And with Scott Boris being his new agent in his walk year, that's tough. Uh, we do know he'll go to free agency, as all Boris clients do. Uh, but, you know, it's happened before that under the agreement, uh, under the table agreement. Now, I'm not saying it's an agreement, but you're saying this is what we're going to do. And we're going to trade you. We're going to bring back talent. And then we're going to throw you the bag. You right. know, yep. Yankees did that. I don't know if it's a handshake agreement under the table, but they traded Roldis Chapman to the Cubs, got right. Labor Torres back. Yep. Cubs won the World Series. Chapman got his ring, and they got Torres, and they signed Chapman right back in the offseason to what that time was a record deal until Diaz beat it $85 million for right. a closer. I don't think that's going to happen with the Mets and, and Boris and Pete, um, but we can hope. But we can also hope that the Mets are in it, so we can forget this question and they don't have to even think about trading Pete. You know, we just have to accept that Pete is going to go to free agency just like Nimmo and Diaz did. Hopefully it's, you know, they didn't trade Nimmo at the deadline at 22 because we were in it, you know, this year to be determined if we're in it and they have to make that decision. But I guess we'll find out. It's a really fascinating question. I hope we don't have to find out. Actually, <laughs> all right. Thank you for the question. Let's move on. Um, Jimmy lags for both of us. Again, let's keep this short um, for Bill and Casey. Great show last week. Again, always appreciate you reading my questions on air. Do you think DJ Stewart is primed to have a solid year or was his 68, uh, six to eight weeks last season, a fluke? You want to take I this one first? I, I think he's primed to have a good year. I think that that's going to be something that's going to bolster his confidence. You know, he's been kind of one of those guys that hasn't got the real, real shot to be in there. I think he's going to get a better shot to be in there this year. I think that he probably left left the season last year feeling really good about himself. He's probably had a great off season of staying focused. I, I think that's I think he's on a redemption tour as a former number one pick, former first round pick to show people what he's capable of doing. And I think he's going to get more of an opportunity. And I, I expect him to play well this year. I echo your sentiments. Uh, I don't. I don't think that. Let's say six weeks was a fluke. Uh, we know his power. I think he's going to get a bigger chance, obviously, this year because they're not signing a DH as of now with two left. Uh, Got to make him happy. Right. Exactly. So if you have Vientos as the DH most days, he'll probably. Uh, he could be in right field if you want to rest Marte or know, Marte's he, swings, heart he swings from that left side of the plate. He might be seeing a lot more at bats. I don't. You know. It's... Right. Gonna right. be a battle, it, it, but a lot more right-handed pitching out there. But you know this, you know, if Marte's healthy and the contract and the money they're paying him, and he, obviously he's contributing, they're going to play Marte. Oh, but I'm he's about, I'm talking about over Vientos. Vientos oh. has got to show he can hit. Spring training is going to be that huge is for, spring training is going to be huge for Vientos. Huge. Yeah, and, and Stewart. Yeah, but I get it. I I never thought about it. It's a good point. There there might be a huge competition. Of Stewart and Vientos for the DH spot with Stewart being the lefty, seeing more right-handed pitchers, you know. Yep. Um, so to answer the question, I don't think he was a fluke. We see his power, we see his drive and his determination, and I now he, you know, and he, yeah, great, great swing. Um, not pretty out there in right field, and we'll see him out <laughs> there in right. But we talked about this; he did make all the plays. It just again wasn't pretty. Um, but uh, I don't think he was a fluke, and uh, we might be seeing a lot of them because you're right it's going to be a big competition with those two. If it, we go into spring training with those two as the DH possibilities. Yep. Uh, time for one more. 
Uh, Theo A at Shave City Pod. He asked for both of us, uh, and I'm going to rephrase this question. I'll read what he wrote, but I didn't. Uh, let's just hear me out, everybody. He wrote, uh, "Most Mets met like forgettable players for both Bill and Casey. My pick is either Nino Espinosa or Jason Jacomi. Um Jacomi, excuse me. Hockamy. Hockamy. Okay. I, know, I played with, with the I played H. With Hawk. Yeah, and I actually remember his name, so he isn't quote unquote forgettable. I just I butchered the last name. It is, um, it is a J, but it's hard. It's it is with yeah. an H though. So yeah. yeah. Um, I can name a thousand forgettable Mets. So I I'm gonna rephrase the question, and I'm gonna say, not forgettable, but how about disappointing? Because I could name a thousand forgettable Mets off the top of my head. You know that played five games and then left. You know. Um, so I'm going to flip it around and say, in my mind, and you can answer this if you want, um, who were two or three players that were their expectations and their track record were really high and you expected a lot for them and they just shit the bed. Uh, I got two off the top of my head. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, and this is in no particular order. They they both just shit the bed. I don't know who shat the most. <laughs> okay. um, you're welcome for that picture, everybody. I love it. Um, yeah. Um, Jason Bay. Let's start with him. A couple uh, two time All Star with the Pirates, Rookie of the Year. Uh, got traded to the Red Sox in '09. Uh, had an unbelievable year there. Was in the MVP voting. Had like 30 plus or almost 40 home runs. 100 amazing year with the Red Sox in his free agent year and uh, signed a four-year, $66 million contract the following season with Omar Minaya, who wants to make a splash in the new city field with Jason Bay. Track record says, great, we got a left fielder and a power. Jason Bay got hurt in July of his first year in 2010, concussion out for the season. Before that, awful. Came back in 2011, Healthy, awful. 2012, hurt himself again, awful. His stats altogether, awful. He never, it was coming off of an entire career of all-star MVP caliber play to he turned into one of the biggest busts of a free agent signing you can think of. And for the money, it wasn't that much, I guess, back in 14 years ago it was. But yeah, it still is. But he, (laughs) of course, but they actually mutually agreed after the third year to terminate the contract. That that's how bad it was. And they did. And he went on to play for the Mariners the following year in 2013, sucked there and retired. You know, makes you wonder how much that concussion really did to him. You know, how much it might have affected him. You're right. Makes Um, you wonder. And no, no offense to Jason Bay. He always played hard. And, you know, he wasn't a bad guy, um, but for what he got and what he offered with the Mets, and it wasn't all his fault because those teams were awful, you know, back in those years, but he was that guy and he just didn't bring it. And that that's right there for me. So let's call that disappointing, not forgettable. We all don't, we don't, we don't forget that. Um, my last one, I'll keep it short. I told you off the air, the player I changed my mind. Oh, okay. It's not. I was going to say Jed Lowry, as we Which talked about. I thought about. was a good one after you sent the the stats along. Because yeah. because I read the question at face value and it said forgettable players. Well, he signed a two year twenty million dollar contract and had six or seven uh, plate appearances without a hit. That's forgettable. But I'm going with the whole you know expectations and all that. I think this actually beats Bay. If you want to talk about worst trades or uh, free agent signings, Roberto Alomar to the Mets in 2002, traded from the Indians, coming off of hitting 356 and an OPS around 1,000, already a Hall of Famer, not old, and coming off a year in which he was an all-star, he hit 356, for Christ's sake, with like... I'm sure he's top five in MVP voting and the Mets traded basically nothing for him. You know, um, he came to the Mets. He batted two fifty something in his first year, 
he looked like a shell of himself. He only lasted two years with the Mets. He never eclipsed over like 720 OPS or around there. He looked like crap. And the Mets traded him on July 1st in his second year. Uh, I forget, I think to the White Sox and they got Royce Ring. You know, it was just get rid of it, getting rid of Alomar. And I remember when that trade happened, I was excited as hell because Roberto Alomar, Hall right, of Famer, right, right. he's still got it. You look at his numbers that he just put up for the Indians at that time, and you're like, hello. But it turned into, oh, my God, like he could not hit a beach ball if he knew it was coming. And I don't know if it's a curse of the second base, you know, before it's ended, if you will, recently. But they had the Biagras. They had Jeff Kent. They had, uh, you know, Alomar. And you felt like it was a curse. Those right. are my two most disappointing. You know, forgettable, I could tell you 10,000. But disappointing, those are my two. So um, you got anything to say on that? If you don't, uh, that's fine. I'm going to refrain from uh, disappointing, forgettable. Uh, there's been plenty of words used in the past uh, five or so minutes that could be used to describe some other people that might be on this podcast. So. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and leave that alone, and I'm not going to disparage anybody that put the uniform on and, and gave it their gave it their best shot. Yeah, I mean, you could just look at it as like top ten, and there's articles if you want to Google it. The biggest bus free agent trades in Mets history. It's all the right there. So I'm sure you, you know. might have even seen my name involved it there at some point in time too. So it's all Let's, gravy, baby. Yeah. Let's go uh, to my favorite segment of the Say Hello podcast: Quick Pitches. And if you're new to the show, it's three questions, maybe four, depending on if I get Bill and he doesn't know what's coming. It doesn't have to be baseball related. It's life. It's philosophy. It's whatever it wants to be. He doesn't know the questions and I just fire away. And without further ado, you ready, Bill? Bring it on. All right. It's a two-parter. Two-parter. First question. question. As a player back in the day, and now, as your age, as, you know, whatever you are, what are you, 23 now? Yes. Um, yes. Who would you want as your catcher, as being a pitcher? So the two-parter is back in the day and right. then now. And then, like, as a fan or looking at over the last 20 years or current catchers. Okay. For you. My second, for you. My second one's probably not going to make a lot of people happy on this podcast. Um Back in the day, I really enjoyed throwing to Alberto Castillo, and he was um, he got some backup time in the major leagues, but I threw to him all through my minor league career and made it to the big leagues. A lot of it has to do with Alberto Castillo being my catcher. So okay. I was I loved throwing to Alberto Castillo. Uh, I would love to throw to him today and his attitude and just the way that he, you know, he was on the pitcher's side and pumps you up, and I, I love throwing to him. Nowadays, uh, to be honest with you, probably Real Muto with the, okay. with the Phillies. I like the way that he, he, you know, I don't like the way catchers catch nowadays. Uh, we've talked about this in general, and I'm wondering what's going to happen when we go to the automated strike zone if catchers go get off their knees again. Um, but I love that he gives a target. I love that he's a big guy. I like the way that he approaches the game. I love that he's a hard-nosed guy. Uh, I would like to throw to Real Muto. Okay. I can see Real Muto, Real Muto and I, I Albert, uh, Alberto Castillo, uh, I know I watched him play. That was right when I became a big Mets fan at, at my age of, you know, middle teenager. And uh, he got he got the, the walk-off hit on opening day, I believe, in 96, right? Yeah. he That right. was the – I believe did so. He, did he fillet a ground ball through the right uh, side, I believe? I, I think I it think was either, up the middle – up the middle, it was against the Cardinals. Up the middle or right side, I think it was Ray Ardonez. Yeah, right I was there, so that's why I remember it. I was, it was yeah. you know, I'm 12. Surprised, I'm surprised he didn't stick around longer in the big leagues. He was not a great hitter. No. He was a tremendous receiver and a tremendous thrower in the game, and he put down really, really good fingers. You know, he yeah. put down, like, we, me and him felt like we were on the same page a lot, and um, he was good, very good. I think he's still involved in coaching, and uh, he, he, he belongs, I'm sure – He's going to have a super duper long coaching career because I, you could just tell that the type of uh, knowledge that he had as, as a baseball player. He should, and he gave me a great memory back in '96 with that game winning hit. Uh, moving on, number two, in TV or film, 
movies, TV shows. In your opinion, who is the best vic uh, villain that is played in a show? Bad guy, bad woman, like villain in the movie or the show. Kind of like a Joker, Batman, you know, or uh, Christopher Walken's a pretty good, pretty good bad guy in films. You know, okay. Think back to True Romance. He's yeah, a, he's a good villain. Yeah, uh, great actor because he's done comedies and you know all yeah, that. But he can do it all. He can do it all. Um, I could see that. I just I'm trying to think of the movies. True, okay, True, True romance, romance. Yeah, he was a mafia okay. guy. Yeah. Uh, shoot, I don't that, even know, man. Well, I'll give you mine if you okay. Yeah, I'm like if you, if you, if you need some more time to think about it, or or Christopher Walken's a great I'm answer because that's fine. Um, King of New I'm York gonna, too, yeah. Right, Frank White. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go a little more specific, and I got this tweet blew up because I I saw it on Twitter and I answered this exact question. That's where I got the the question from. I answered and it blew up for my response, and I didn't expect it. I tweeted it. Let it go, and it blew up. Next time I went, you know, to my phone, I wrote Jenny from Forrest Gump. Oh, that's man. You know what? I I know where you're going with that. I know where you're going with that. And that's why it blew up because your reaction it was people's reactions, and then they wrote with it. You know, it's a lot to process with villain Jenny, her childhood. But I I. Look at it, and Forrest Gump is one of my favorite movies of all time. Remember, oh, I saw it with yeah, absolutely right. I saw it with my grandmother when I was like eleven. I remember it like it was yesterday. I Still watch it. it. Without, I don't make it through without tears every single time, man. That's that's one of right. my tops for sure, for sure. But for some reason, when I saw that question, I Jenny came to mind, and I'll tell you why. Short, very briefly. Yeah. She, Forrest loved her childhood all that you know protected her was there he she did her thing back in the 60s 70s he always loved her and she left them did her thing with guys and and her you know whatever else she stood for got into a lot of trouble and then she got sick she got diagnosed with aids and then it was like okay Forrest, i need you back in my life after right. x amount of years right it's like she used him in a way and he was so you know forrest gump in the movie like not a mean bone in his body and like she was just poison for him now i get he loved her you know and took care of her in times in the movie but i i it just i it came to my head and i said jenny from forrest gump so i mean I, I definitely it, yeah i definitely see where you're going there but i guess she had to be the tragic the uh the tragic character of the film as well but i i think i've actually seen something about that before and it was kind of a list really? of things that she had done to Forrest or not intentionally or intentionally, whatever it may be. Thank you. But no, I, I know what you're talking about. I got you. Okay. Christopher Walken, Jenny from Forrest Gump. Got it. All right. Third and final question. I don't know if you're going to like this one. I do have a fourth. Let's see your answer. All right. In your opinion, is it better to live a ripe old age with little excitement or lead an adventurous life, but a short life? It's a little deeper question. Uh, I mean, they say only the good die young. I mean, that is a song. Oh, man. I mean, obviously, optimal would be to live a exciting long life. Um, if I had to pick one, am I going out in a blaze of glory? Like, like, you're... Short, exciting life? Like, it's out of, like, something crazy happens, and that's how I go? Or am I dying? Uh, you're... I don't know. I, I catch, I get cancer and I die with no. Or am I going out doing one of those crazy things that adventurous? You're 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 going out having I fun. I fall off of a cliff that I'm climbing. That's well. That is adventurous. I'm going to say but... what as a youngster. As a youngster, I might have said uh, a crazy, a crazy life and a short life. As I get a little bit older and I get right. a little closer, and my mortality starts to kick in a little bit. Maybe I think that un uh, un amazing uh -huh. or unadventurous or whatever life and living long might might uh might be a better route okay i had a feeling you were going to say that because i've gotten to know you pretty well uh the old bill would say that you know the the younger bill and yeah. now the, the the more mature bill would so yeah i kind of 21 year old bill that you know he yeah. might have said give me the give me 10 more good hard years of, uh -huh. of being uh being yeah. a, a flame or whatever and, and 
who cares? But uh, I'm 50 now and been through enough to know that, you know what? It ain't that exciting anyway. <laughs> I, I hear you. Had a feeling you were going to say that. So I don't, we'll go to one more quick question and we'll wrap up here. All right. I don't know. I, I don't know if I've asked you this on quick pitches. So if I have, forget it, but okay. I'll ask you the question. All right. Would you rather, and this is a known question. I'm sure you've probably even heard it regardless if I've asked. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Duck-sized horses, I think. A hundred? God, yeah, that's a lot. It is. One huge or a hundred little. And it's a duck. Yeah. And they're, and they're, they're not vicious, you know. We know ducks. Oh, you know what, man? A hundred of them might be a little bit tough to, to beat. So maybe I'd have to give my give it all, give it a shot against the the horse sized duck. Okay, I agree. Just stay away from the beak. Yeah, well, yeah, that's how they get you. Yeah, um, I, I, it's one of those internet questions that it's maybe if you said ten. Right. You know, no, it's 100. a hundred. I can't reinvent the question. It's it's the oh, hundred or or the big one. Um, and, and, and horses. You, I love horses, but they're a little scary. Even if it's a duck-sized horse, a hundred of them is, is quite a few of them to have to yeah. try to uh, to combat, I, if you right. will. And I said, I said what I said about ducks being nice, but you know what I all meant. Um, the thing, well, I agree with you. I go with the the one big one because yeah. I would just try to like trap it somehow. And if you only got one it, angle to have to cover, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, not you I don't have ninety. A lot of, right, a lot of you stuff know. going on will it in like you're trying to catch a mouse or something and then get rid of it, you know, even though it's huge and it could kill you, but and then just go ham. Exactly. And right. then you're done and you don't have a yeah. hundred else to One worry way or about. The other. Either win or lose. Right. Okay. Right. So we went, we yeah, went all over. We're, we're under agreement. So quick pitches. We went, we went all over the place to be honest with you. We did. We did. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's my favorite segment. We did TV, film, movie, playing days for you. We did philosophical, live life short and fun or, you know, what we talked about or ducks and horses on their size. So that's what you get with quick pitches. It's a beautiful thing. And with that being said, that wraps up episode 23 right there. Um, we did it. Thank you, Stephen White behind the glass, our producer making all this happen. Uh, if you didn't hear it, I guess why wouldn't you have heard it? Because this is not live radio. We are going with Doc Gooden as our guest, episode 24 next week. So hit that subscribe button, turn on the noties, uh, follow Shay underscore hello on Twitter and Shaylo Media on Instagram. We'll keep you updated. Uh, maybe, you know, we'll do some brainstorming and how to make this even more fun, but doc Gooden on the say hello podcast, uh, next week, the first week of February, whatever day we debut that episode, uh, bill, it was always a pleasure. Any, uh, final words before we, uh, we see what's in store for the Mets and major league baseball as we head towards spring training. No, I'm just going to piggyback on you a little bit and say for all those that are regular listeners, tell your friends. Uh, tell your family, you know, you're going to have a legend on, on our little podcast next week. And the more, the merrier to get an in-depth close look, uh, close here, uh, of one of the greats, you know, you don't get to see a unicorn all that often. And right. Doc Gooden is a unicorn and I look forward, but, uh, tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wife, whatever it may be, <laughs> but tell your kids, tell your family and make sure you're, you're, you're tuned in and ready to watch, uh, you know, us speak with one of the, one of the greats. Yeah. That, perfect. Yeah. I couldn't have said any better. Tell everybody, you know, because doc Gooden, at least in New York and as a Met fan and a Yankee fan household name. So he'll be on the show as a guest. We will. And I did say this earlier and it bears repeating. We will read a couple questions uh, from fans. And I already put it out at Shay underscore hello on Twitter and Instagram on Shay hello media. They're not going to read all, so make them good and clean. But we will read your questions to the legend, Doc Gooden. So hit that subscribe button, follow Shay Hello, Shay underscore Hello, and Shay Hello Media on Instagram. Doc Gooden next episode, and we will have fans being able to obviously listen to him next week and also throw your questions in starting right now. Uh, look for it 
as the uh, Anshe underscore hello. Great job by Bill getting the legend in. And I'm interested to see what happens in maybe that one final spot for the Mets uh, before we talk again. Absolutely. Um, so thank you all for listening and watching. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you, Steve. Uh, as always, this episode is brought to you by Roots-Recordings.com. I want to wish everybody a great rest of their day, wherever you may be. Please stay safe, and we will talk to you next week on the Shea Hello Podcast.